Welcome to the MBA Jam Podcast with your host, Avinash Bajaj. Hello again, folks. Welcome to another episode of the MBA Jam. This is your host and founder, Avinash. I'm very excited to talk to today's guest. Besides the fact that she's done an MBA, this guest runs a podcast of her own. So I'm under a bit of a pressure to make sure that the show matches up to her standards of running a podcast. Today we're talking to Pooja Talasera. Pooja, I did realize that uh, on your Skype it was Pooja Bandari, so I just want to make sure I'm saying the right name. <laughs> yeah, so Bandari happens to be my uh, marital post marital uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I Talisera is my maternal. So yeah, I'm Fair sure enough. you can address me as Talisera. Okay, perfect, perfect. So today we're talking to Pooja. Pooja has largely worked in leadership coaching and HR across various organizations. She has done an MBA from Institute of Technology and Management, Southern Hampshire University. Sorry for that. Uh, And as mentioned before, she runs a podcast of her own called Leadership Demystified, where global leaders across segments share their insights on the emerging or foreseen interesting leadership trends. We'll explore that more in the show. Pooja, officially welcome to the show. Thank you, Vinash. Thank you so much for having me um, over this show. And I'm really looking forward uh, to share my <laughs> a bit of journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. Me too. So I gave a very brief intro on, on, on what you've done, but I think it'll be really good if you can flesh out that a little bit more. So how has your journey or your career progressed over time, you know, before and after the MBA, etc.? Yeah. So, uh, first of all, MBA was not very thought through thing which I wanted to do. Uh, so, just to give you a little uh, background, that um, I'm and I come from slightly conservative family, and I was the first uh, professional, uh, you know, who went for the professional education mm-hmm. because most of them were into business, and uh, what they really knew um, was the business and second was the medicine. That mm. those are the two options which are available. Did you say medicine? Yeah. Ah, medicine okay. And, uh, and yeah, business. I see. Very interesting. So, I mean, I can relate to that because my entire family is, is in business uh, uh, in India and actually very similar. I was the first one to go for any kind of uh, postgraduate degree at all. <laughs> yeah. So... I was slightly confused, um, I think, which most of the kids would be or, you know, so um, I wanted to be first a journalist and then uh, then I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm. And later on, um, yeah, I, it was when my dad told me, like, you know, when I passed my degree and he said, like, it's what all I can give you is two years. Whatever you want to do, you do it in two years, else I'm getting you married. <laughs> So that was and when time, was this? You know? How long ago was this? So this was when I passed my um, graduation. That was in like 2002. Okay, cool. So, so yeah. So that's the time, you know, when I thought like, oh God, two years. And I was like really thinking about the options. And I didn't want it to just settle down as a graduate. Mm-hmm. I was sure that I wanted to do something. And um, so then I started interacting with people um of various fields, you know, I told you, like, I was interested in law, I was interested in journalism, and um, HR, that time I didn't know as such, because Mm. there was no one from my family being in the management side. 
so when i was talking to people um, i used to meet lawyers and i used to you know try to understand uh, what they really enjoy in their profession mm-hmm. and that's the time i realized that what i really enjoy is connecting with people and uh, I, i enjoy being the part of uh, you know helping people accomplish their uh, goal that's what i want to be right and so i took on a small diploma course because um, i really didn't wanted to go into something which i would not enjoy and you know invest so much of time so i took a six month diploma course and um, in hr mm-hmm. and later on i went on to do my uh, full fledged uh, mba course from uh, itm institute for technology and management which has uh, the affiliation with southern hampshire uh, mm-hmm. university cool cool so that's that's how you basically almost like got into the the thought process of doing an mba from there yes okay okay good good so after so while you were doing a diploma or did, did you work um in a job before the mba or did your actual job start post mba so my actual job started post mba mm-hmm. but um, i did a lot of concurrent projects concurrent mm. project uh, besides the normal internship projects uh, you know which are requirement from the institute i went on to do a lot of concurrent projects so which was uh, it gave me a lot of uh, hands on experience and um, it really helped me to think deeper that um, after you know i graduate from mb after my mm. post graduation which is one particular thing in hr wherein i want to deep dive right okay good 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 that's that's good i mean that that's one common theme that keeps coming across you know that uh, doing an mba right after your graduation without doing any kind of projects almost doesn't give you a direction sometimes um but doing at least some project maybe hopefully gives you an idea as to what you could gain out of the mba certainly and i think uh, avinash one of the thing is like you know when we want to do an or anyone wants to do anything you know be it mba or be it any professional course we are very much stuck only with respect to the institutes but here i think i really spoke to the people who were professionals um mm. uh, so which really helped me so it was not only my research was not only the institutes but i went and i spoke to the people who was like vphr mm. to a person who was an hr executive right that's really interesting you know that that's the kind of research which i feel a lot of students don't do um, but that's something so valuable isn't it to actually try and get a perspective of people who have probably gone on to you know do the careers that you're thinking you might be able to do and then think about how an mba education could help in that or not because sometimes it's possible that you speak to these people and they might come and say look for what you want to do maybe don't spend one or two years doing an mba maybe just get into it right absolutely yeah absolutely. cool absolutely because while i was talking to them mm-hmm. uh, and you know they are very uh, sometimes you know we are just hesitating like uh, would this guy be approachable or not but believe me um, since i told you like i came from the business background so i had zero connection uh, in the corporate world mm-hmm. but i used to just randomly you know i used to go to the linkedin i used to search and i used to write them a mail and they were very open to interact nice and that, that that's really good because this we're talking about like 15 16 years ago and where Absolutely. where you know there were not even that sophisticated tools like how we have today where it's become so easy to connect with people that means you really went out of your way to do that 
<laughs> yeah, I think it was the the pressure that time. Of <laughs> having two years really made me all geared up, and I wanted to be sure that I. make the maximum out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And you said you love connecting with people. I mean, that means you you started your education even before you did start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice. So so that that's when you got into the MBA. How did you end up choosing the university that you did end up studying in? So as I was talking to people and um, you know, the, I realized that um, so so I was confused as the institute which really matters or the the course structure mm. or you know the professors mm. so obviously once you have a um, good institute um, you would have obviously the professors would be good but the course structure was something because i had done my research and i realized that there was a gap uh, when i was talking to people that you know, uh, what was been taught in the institute and what is actually practiced there was a lot of gap mm. So that's why um, then uh, the first step was I had decided that okay fine I want to get in first twenty institutes in India. So after I shortlisted my twenty institutes, I went to those campuses. I used to speak to the um, to the people out there, to the alumni. I got hold of alumni to the existing stu- uh, students. I went and I even spoke to the professors, mm. and you would not believe it, Avinash. I used to take the course. So, this thing you know the module and I used to compare really wow how did you manage to go and sit in those classes <laughs> so uh, no not in the classes but I I used to hang around those institutes obviously I had made a couple of good friends uh-huh. so with the existing student, uh, students I used to ask them like okay what has been taught what's not been taught wow. and then I used to go around and I used to then by that time i had shortlisted my my search was narrowed down that okay now there are the 10 institutes where i want to concentrate in and uh, yeah so that's how then i was very clear that uh, itm is the university uh, where i'll focus mm-hmm. because it met all my criteria with respect to the proximity and uh, with respect to the uh, to the ranking of the institute and the course curriculum and everything Wow, that that that's really a thorough research, you know, that, where you're actually studying the modules in more detail as well. That that's really impressive. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, yeah, actually that's where a lot of us miss, you know. Mm. So any career, I think if we are really serious about it, and we really want to, uh, it's we need to give hundred and ten percent out there. Yeah, yeah, completely, completely agreed. Uh, so, so what were your um, you know criteria points uh, uh in terms of location were you looking specifically uh, in and around the city where you were uh, living or were you considering even going further apart if needed i was um, not very willing to go further apart because mm-hmm. uh, so i wanted to be in and around so that was one of the uh, criteria that uh, i wanted to be in and around uh, mumbai mm-hmm. so i was like prepared to go to pune yeah uh, i mean yeah that's it <laughs> fair sure enough <laughs> fair enough fair enough no that's that's really good i mean then you started your mba uh, you know classes uh, what was your parents response to that i mean your two years deadline had pretty much passed right <laughs> yeah so while i was um, doing my mba classes um, when i used to come and tell my dad the Actually, the very first thing you know the, was the 
when people my my classmates you know they could discuss and they could understand i didn't have that reference background to discuss hmm. home because uh, my dad was into jewelry business hmm. so so all what they could understand was the carrot gold that <laughs> <laughs> so when I would come with a project or something, you know, okay, this is a project and this, so everything used to be Greek and Latin to them. Or <laughs> okay, fine, but yeah, he was very really encouraging. So he was like, okay, my daughter is doing something good. <laughs> that was uh, the impression, uh, or that was the feeling what they had. Nice, 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 great. So awesome. I mean, that's that's really good. So when you did get into MBA, uh, you know, in in, in the university, I mean, considering the amount of research that you had put in. How was your reality as compared to your expectations? <laughs> so, uh, in terms of the course structure and everything, yes, it was very nice. I mean, it was um, it, it was quite new to what I was uh, I had gathered. So, the course structure was nice, and uh, the professors were very good. We had a lot of professors, even uh, the the visiting faculties were from industry many visiting faculties were there from industry which was very nice hmm. so all those things was nice but um, yeah in terms of the reality shock kind of thing for me it was uh, i knew all to operate on the um, desktop the computers but not the laptop hmm. so the first day uh, actually when we had after a break and all this uh, when the first day of the institute you know they had given us um, 15 20 books to read and then we all had to make a presentation so i was like really petrified because i saw everyone making presentations and they were on laptop presentations and i didn't know what to do so i just quickly you know i just drew something on the chart papers and that's how i went and i presented it yeah there were the dean was sitting out there uh-huh. and uh, after i ended he came up to the stage and i was like oh god now what is he going to say uh-huh. uh, because i already had a bad encounter with the dean while i was enrolling wow. for the admission so i was like no oh god now what is he going to say uh-huh. and he was like uh, wonderfully done and and that was my first lesson you know uh-huh. that um, even if if you don't know something or even if there's a crunch of resource, you can always look out for various alternators. Yeah. So, so I really like the way uh, those guys, you know, that you have to read the book and you have to come and present it. And uh, so that very first lesson was very good and it gave me a lot of confidence. So I think that day was either I would have, uh, it was a make or, you know, in terms of my confidence, <laughs> but it really boosted my confidence. Yeah, that's the way really interesting. That yeah. Handled it. Exactly, exactly. And like you said, you know, it's about um, making use of the resources you have in hand to do whatever it requires. But uh, I I think on the other hand, what I'm also taking away is the fact that, uh, you know, the medium doesn't really matter as much as the message you're trying to communicate, Uh, whether you do it on a flip chart or whether you do it on a laptop or a computer, it doesn't really matter. So I I, I guess that's something that has to be a critical part as well. Yes. Nice, nice, awesome. So, so you did your MBA, and then, um, from what I could see on the LinkedIn profile, you you started off as a management trainee. Uh, I guess that was either sometime during or right after your MBA. But then you started off as an HR executive at Asian Paints. So, you know, really curious because I'm I come from from a family business background as well. Why did you decide to do a job, and why did you not join the family business? <laughs> 
so with respect to the job so by uh, by the time my mba results were out i was the topper of the batch mm. so my dad was like okay fine she has uh, utilized that two years well <laughs> and uh, mba had equipped me enough to negotiate for her <laughs> <laughs> that's nice <laughs> so i could negotiate with him another year so i told him like okay let uh, give me one more year yeah and i want to work i want to see like how is the corporate world yeah all i know is uh, i've done for the internship and uh, so he was like no 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 one has ever worked in our family hmm. and i had done my summer internship with johnson and johnson mm-hmm. it was very kind of vp hr then vp hr of johnson and johnson he called up my dad and he spoke to my dad and he convinced him that let her try the wow. corporate world is safe and it's secure nice that's really nice wow so you must have really yeah. impressed him <laughs> yeah he he was quite happy with my project so so yeah so my dad gave me a a year's time mm. and that's how then i tried and uh, yeah then thereafter her husband wonderful <laughs> Nice, nice. I mean, okay, good. So, so he he said, okay, let's let's try it out for a year. But then you stuck around uh, at, at Asian Bin itself for quite a long time. So your thought process and the family's thought process changed after that. Is it that that they said, okay, look, this is something that you enjoy doing, continue in your job, or did you ever had pressure of coming back to business? <laughs> so coming back to business, um, there was no pressure as such there after because they realized that this is something I'm enjoying. and uh, and they could see uh, i i i got to you know um, they could see the results and they could feel that okay i'm making a difference and uh, so they were happy about it because nice. i think ultimately what is important is the conviction so once and results speak everywhere i mean hush i think be corporate yeah. or be even in home <laughs> So I think once they could see the result, and once they could see that okay, this girl is serious about it, what she's doing, she knows where she wants to go. So they were okay with it. Nice, very nice, very nice, great. So, so you worked at um, Asian Paints until 2011, and then you, I mean, it, it says you you started off as a consultant at DHR practice. Is that is that another firm, or is that your firm, or how is that? that's the another farm so okay. what happened was um, i got married and i got um, i delivered my first kid mm. so post uh, that and in asian pains i had covered all the verticals of asian pain <laughs> i see so i started off with growth business unit uh, you know then last assignment was with the strategic uh, hr team so after that and i had delivered my baby and i wanted more uh, work life balance kind of thing hmm and this consultancy uh, and yeah i wanted to ultimately get into i was clear like you know i wanted to do something wherein i'm helping organizations providing them the solutions and i wanted to learn more about different organizations whereas hmm. i had asian pains you know even if you're in different uh, verticals but overall the philosophy and the things are same right yeah so then i got into hr practice which is another firm which caters to the startups smes so mm. yeah so that that's where then it was an again interesting stint out there nice so what what were some of the key differences you found between you know a, a massive firm like asian pains and working with these smaller startups were they like what were the 
differences you found? <laughs> so I think in the, uh, if I need to put it, in the big startups, uh, in the big firms, you know, in the established firms, there's a process. And uh, so people would be ready to listen to you and they would be like still okay. Even if, even if disagree, they wouldn't be, they would be still very sober, if I need to put it. <laughs> very professional. <laughs> yeah. So whereas in startups, if there's a disagreement, mm. so they they are not really bothered that whether you have an HR knowledge or you don't have, mm. they want they want you to understand what's there in their head. And at yeah. the same time, you need to ensure that you're doing justice to the HR. So, you know, no, maintaining that balance yeah. of uh, making them feel that, yes, I'm hearing you. At the same time, you're doing justice to the HR and you're doing the right thing. What is the right thing? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. I mean, uh, considering the fact that uh, coincidentally you were you were there exactly the same amount of time between the two uh, companies, and since then I can see you haven't really gone back to work work for a bigger company. It makes me think that you actually enjoyed <clears throat> the consultancy part a lot more than working in bigger companies. Is that right? <laughs> Absolutely. I have uh, loved working in a consultancy. <laughs> In fact, all the organization I've worked in, I have enjoyed working in and um, in the consultancy firm because every time you are um, with every organization, there are different set of people. So every time it's a challenge, you know, even if I'm doing a performance management and yet again, I'm doing the same, but still it's a challenge for myself and it pushes me to learn. So which is something which I really enjoy. Nice, nice, very nice. So you worked quite a lot, you know, like like how we mentioned in HR and leadership development. Um, what what keeps you going? What keeps you still motivated? Because if you combine all the years together, it's it's ten plus years, right? That you work in the same industry. What still keeps you going? I think it's the passion, mm. and um, it, it's the passion, and it's it's the alignment. I don't see it. Uh, as something you know which i have to do just to earn my bread and butter but this mm. is something which i breathe which i enjoy <laughs> so i think that's what keeps me going nice nice very nice very nice what what prompted you move from uh, mumbai to singapore so that was after my second kid okay uh, so my husband, he got uh, deputed to deputed to Singapore. It was on deputation mm-hmm. in Siemens. So yeah, so along with him, and I had just delivered uh, that time, and um, yeah, even I wanted to take a break, so I came along with him. And yeah, I like the city, I like the country. So I thought, might as well just let's stay till the time he's staying here. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really good place. I've been on a vacation um, for for maybe like five days <laughs> in the past, oh. and I, I pretty much loved it. <laughs> yes. Nice, nice, awesome. So, <clears throat> so coming to the podcast, <laughs> I was really keen to get to it as quickly as possible. Um, what is the podcast all about? Why why did you get started? How did the story come about for the podcast? Okay, so. Um, so when I moved to Singapore, I had taken a break uh, for around, I think, a year. I was going very slow on mm-hmm. work. And that's time I thought, let me do a coaching course. So I enrolled myself for um, leadership coaching. So that's when, when I was doing coaching, I realized that, you know, uh, many people can't really afford coaching or many people don't know that they really need help. 
and mm-hmm. uh, my niche was around uh, millennial leaders that's where i specialize in and i love to work around uh, those helping the young leaders mm-hmm. because uh, then i felt there is a vacuum you know there's a lot of um, lot of leadership uh, coaching happens at the top but at the mid level there is no coaching which happens and then uh, then there is a big vacuum out there hmm. so i felt it's important to spread the awareness help people uh, acknowledge and then help them adapt the change so this based on this 3a i thought of um, you know making the uh, getting people across the globe hmm. and understanding their viewpoints and helping um, the viewers to to understand and to take the appropriate decision so that's how then we got um, we have our speakers across genre we have uh, a speaker who's like 60 years old to a mm. speaker who's 8 years old wow that that's really interesting so so going back and you know drilling drilling a little further as to your thought process so you you took up the coaching um uh you know education to to learn about all this now when did the podcast idea come about why did you think that this is a good medium as opposed to maybe blogging or as opposed to maybe creating youtube video etc uh i think it was very simple for me avinash i wanted to leverage on my strength mm-hmm. and i wanted to do something which is sustainable which is um, i wanted to be first mover in that particular kind of thing mm. so whereas uh, scientific research and i knew that um, this kind of podcast getting people across the globe uh, there is usually a panel discussion which happens but not everyone can really get into that uh, you know get into those conferences so this is a linkedin is an open uh, open platform and this was the first time wherein the speakers are coming in and are discussing on those five uh, specific questions what we have if i may elaborate with your uh, permission on yeah, the yeah yeah absolutely please do so <laughs> <laughs> so so one is um, we have like does age education gender experience has any ability uh, is it correlated to the ability to lead and inspire mm. then the second one um, we have is uh, are is leadership innate or is it cultivated is it embedded in our dna then women women and leadership we have been speaking a lot about it right then how to manage the millennial leaders right and uh, you know what the millennial leader should do and what the people should do who are managing the millennial leaders then um, soft skill and hard skill how important they are in leadership right those are really interesting you know uh, topics to drill into i mean especially the first one i'm still hooked on to that does age uh, what is the, what is the first question does you said this age, age and gender experience uh, education has any correlation with the ability to lead and inspire amazing amazing i mean i mean i i I've been working across different different sectors as well right I mean there have been instances in the past where I have led uh, people who have been more experienced than me so it's a very different set of challenges when you lead people with more experience <clears throat> as opposed to leading people who are millennials as you said where th- their thought process is very different and they're ready to you know um, oppose a lot easier which is very good for having a debate so really interesting topics Yes. And it has been like the insight has been like amazing. 
Yeah, yeah, I can really imagine. So, so who who are you running the podcast with? Are you doing just on your own, or are you running it with somebody? I, I did say you said it's co-hosted and curated uh, with someone else. How did that yeah. relationship come about? So it was uh, so. There's this company called the Eshil Dot Life, which had approached me to do a podcast. I've, I had done a podcast with them on mm. stress management. And that's the time, uh, you know, I was thinking about this thought process. So I just called up this person. I told him like, Manu um, Chobe of Ishlot Life. And I told him like, I'm planning to do something on leadership. So he said, yeah, it would be wonderful to interview you. Hmm. So I was like, no, I don't want to be get interviewed. I want people across the globe to come. And I want to hear from them. Nice. And then let's, you know, build up model and this kind of thing. So he said, okay. But um, so then I started in LinkedIn, then you know we have thought enablers as well for this. Hmm. So thought enablers are those uh, we have five people whom we have identified in LinkedIn who are like again um, representative of various demographic age group and hmm. countries, because I didn't wanted this thought process of mine to be very um, very restrained with respect to my age or with respect to my country or culture. So that's why then we got thought enablers. So one of them is from Australia. Uh, UK, US, so India. So we have five thought enablers who are from different uh, global thought enablers. So we started debating with them. And that's how then we came up with those five brief questions. I see, I see. So so how, okay, so, so just to understand uh, the, the split further, what do you do and what does this company Excel do how, how do you how do you separate the tasks between the two are you the only one hosting it and are they the ones preparing presentation or how, how does that work um so it's it's a first of all it's a team work so we mm. call it as a leadership team mystified team mm -hmm. so in a team uh, just like each one of us have role um so i i am like um, so we are co-curators so obviously each one of us wherever the one strength is uh, the person does that works. I'm good in connecting and um, I'm good in getting the speakers. And then we do a co-host. Um, we do a co-host. Mm -hmm. So all the episodes have been co-hosted uh, by me and Ishil. Then there are a couple of episodes which have been even co-hosted along with our thought enablers. I see. I see. I see. And generally, do you bring only one guest and then all of you um, uh, ask different questions to the same guest or do you also bring in multiple guests where it's almost like a panel discussion? No, so uh, we have interviewed uh, till now 28 guests. Mm. Um, so we had identified it's a uniform questions which we are asking each guest except the rapid fire round what we have uh, because we wanted to see the trends. Right. And we plan to come up with a model uh, after we have completed, um, you know, all the guest um, interviews. Yeah. And then we want to just see, uh, and then we plan to share it with the MBA institutes. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Yeah, that'll, that'll be really, that'll be really good to uh, understand how you're doing it. Um, we could always discuss further as to how we can help each other. <laughs> yeah, that would be wonderful. <laughs> Perfect. That that's really amazing. So you interviewed twenty eight guests already. Have you? So how many episodes have you released so far? 
So far, we have released, um, today was the third one. So right. every Wednesday we release. So we say Wednesdays at Leadership Demystified. Right, right. So how come you have actually built up such a big bank of episodes and then you're releasing it uh, much later? What Was there a particular moment you were waiting for or it just happened to be that you managed to get content built very quickly? Uh, we started it off, I think, um Last year, last right. year, yeah, we started off in September, September onwards. So we were waiting um, to reach a particular number and then interview because we wanted the trends to come in. Right. And we didn't want that, you know. Um, so now we have done uh, for first set because this leadership demystified. Um, Avinash, we're interviewing three set of people. First mm-hmm. is the corporate, which mm-hmm. we are releasing this. Second is we are going to the institutes. I see. The MBA institutes because most of the time when we say that leadership is cultivated, yeah. then I think large role MBA institutes and the schools have to play. Yeah. So so that will be the second um, second category and the third category is social segment because leadership is not only leading uh, in the corporate or when you have a team to manage. Yeah. Leadership is even leading yours, leading oneself. Correct. So so that's the social segment. So then there would be a tie-up between all those three uh, cumulative product, what comes out. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, the leadership concept has fascinated me a lot as well uh, in the past. Um, there, there were times when I was so bad at it. Uh, you know, like I was mentioning, I was supposed to be leading a team, but I had no idea how to do it. I had to learn the hard way. Um, I had to improve over time because I just had to. <laughs> um, but but having such um, podcasts and having such material out there will be so helpful for people who really want to improve themselves. And, and leadership is um, a lifetime learning. Learning, right it's not it's not like learning how to manage a balance sheet where you do it once and then you just have to keep doing the same it's it's an evolutionary process because at the end of the day you're, you're dealing with people <laughs> and people are not the same <laughs> absolutely absolutely spot on <laughs> Nice. Amazing. Amazing. I, I'm definitely going to link your podcast to the show notes anyway, but it's it's really good to get a first-hand view on. <laughs> no, no problem. It is really good to get a first-hand view on what kind of insights you, you've gained out of it. That's really interesting. What, what do you plan to do with it? What, what are your future plans with the podcast? Um, so as I told you, like we, right now we are catering to the first segment, the corporate segment. The second, we want to move to the uh, to schools and then the social segment. Mm-hmm. But yeah, right now I'm yeah. trying to find out some media partners. Right. <laughs> That's my immediate uh, plan. Um, uh, so we are trying for some media partners and for some sponsors as well. Because this is a non-profit endeavor right now when we started on. Right. And uh, so, and all of us are in our own full-time um, work this is something which we are passionate about so but we want the content to reach as uh, you know have the wider reach so so yeah the immediate plan is actually looking out for the sponsors and the long-term plan is to help everyone who are on in the journey of leadership Mm. or who are already there so I want to help them so that, you know, there, there is some content which is available out there because um, the speakers have been really good and they have shared um, instances, you know, how did they 
so there was one speaker who shared like uh, he was reporting to someone and then suddenly there was a flip and he became his uh, his manager ah. he was reporting interesting <laughs> so how did he <laughs> went about managing it so they have been very candid and they've been very nice um, to share experiences and that, we have that's... even dr marshall goldsmith as uh-huh. one of our speaker nice nice that's really interesting you know that the story you mentioned about flipping of the roles um so in one particular interview uh, i was listening to mark zuckerberg uh, who was talking about uh, what he does when he tries to hire people and he was saying <clears throat> when he hired sheryl sandberg he hired her with the process that if it was a reverse situation would i be happy reporting into this person you know the situation does not have to happen but even while making recruiting decisions some people make that thought process like let's say okay this time i'm hiring someone who reports into me but let's say i had to report into that person how would i feel like <laughs> yes and and that's the thought process it should be you know which most of the leaders they fear in and mm. they wouldn't want to really um, think through that <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, and and this whole concept of management and leadership, is, like I said, is quite fascinating because a lot of managers feel um, like, like they have power over the people who report into them. So management and leadership are very different things. Sometimes they tend to confuse the two. Just because they're managing people doesn't mean that their leadership skills are good enough for them to guide them in the right path, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And actually, leadership is all about uh, how you're inspiring people, how you're impacting and how you're getting them involved. So it's, it's very important. And what you mentioned, um, the example, what you said, it was like really wonderful. I think leaders need to think. And even forget about the leaders. I think any anyone who is hiring <laughs> need to think through that. Yeah, exactly. 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 I mean, even in my experiences, I've seen some amazing leaders, you know, in in uh in in a very strict sense but they've not, they've not been managers they don't want to be managers of people but they're very leaders in their own rights uh in terms of how they inspire and guide people so it's very interesting to try and separate out the two anyway um if we keep talking i think we'll go on forever <laughs> absolutely nice amazing got <laughs> so, so 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 you have 28 uh, you know guests that you've interviewed now this is all just for the first segment uh, as you mentioned i do you have like some uh, target goal or numbers that you you're going to do like 30 episodes for first segment 30 for second 30 for third and then try and bring it all together or are you just taking it uh, you know in a very flexible manner um so we were not sure how the response would be so mm. initially we thought about 10 <laughs> i see But Yeah so the 10 was a very stretch target because we we weren't sure you know that people would really spare time mm-hmm. because a lot of us are into podcast and we don't have our own uh, website or those yeah. kind of thing so we, we weren't sure and this is the first of its kind you know so but yeah people have been very kind enough and um, then there were a couple of speakers who reached out to us that they want to be part of it yeah and so we had closed down on uh, 15 I see. One five, but then we had a couple of speakers, and they were really. We felt that they can really add value. So yeah, that's how. But I think we wouldn't uh, go beyond twenty eight because, in terms of managing the logistics at this moment, would be mm-hmm. difficult for us. Nice, nice. No, I can, I can truly understand. And you know, coming to the point of what you mentioned, that people have been really kind. That's something I've experienced myself. It's, it's quite fascinating that whole experience because. 
when I started this podcast, I had no idea that people would ever be interested in, in coming and speaking on my show. But I have been really surprised whenever I've approached people, they're more than willing to come and contribute. Uh, in fact, at the end of it, they're like, many people don't ask us. <laughs> I think that's a problem, isn't it? If you don't ask, you don't get. <laughs> and your shows are so nice. I mean, I've just heard them and they're like, beautifully you have done it so beautifully you weave them so well so free flowing so i'm sure it it would definitely attract the audience thank you thank you no really really appreciate that and and like i said you know i i started doing this purely out of my my passion to do this and my first few were obviously not as free flowing because i was nervous <laughs> uh but after that it's been it's been quite quite good and it's it's a really good experience to talk to really smart people um you know getting smart people on the show it's a good excuse for me to improve my learning right <laughs> Awesome, awesome, great. So, so and now we're running the podcast. I mean, the future. Do you plan to like, um, you know, release like a book or something, or, or release like some some coaching classes around it? I'm sure that whatever experiences you're getting from people, they can actually be translated in so many different ways, right? So we plan to release the small snippet kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, um, the sto- the small tales kind of thing, rather than the book. Because I think uh, to get people to the book, it's important that they first understand that there is a value in it. Correct. So right now, it's more of um, the awareness thing is there. So I think the acknowledgement part that that later would come in. And um, coaching tools, uh, yes, I mean, when you're interacting with uh, people, it gives you, it helps you in in widening your horizon. But I think um, when you're coaching you coach uh, the basic premise of the coaching is that the coachee is empowered to take his or her own decision you are just helping him correct in terms of asking questions so i think tools uh, it it wouldn't be it, it would be like really irrespective of it yeah but um, yeah in terms of finding my horizon and learning and those are the questions which i always had so i feel it wonderful that you know that leaders come and they unravel around it it's it's wonderful nice amazing amazing very very good to hear that so you know considering the fact that um you've done mba a long time ago now and now you're doing amazing things what in your experience what have you been able to take away from the mba part of it do you think an mba is something that has actually helped you get to where you are right now and is still helping you or um yeah what's your thought process on that absolutely thumbs up i feel mbas <laughs> a lot uh, it has helped me because i initially i was confused what i wanted to do uh-huh. but later you know once i had a clarity and i put in 110 percent about it uh it has helped me in terms of confidence because in mba um you know, you're doing so many projects and sometimes you really don't get teams with whom we are really comfortable. Yeah. So so it helps you connecting with people and it has given me that thought process, Avinash, that people are not difficult, they are just different. So I think <laughs> once you have that thought process, the life becomes very easy in terms of going and connecting with people and how you move about it, the self-confidence, the thought process and... Uh, Overall, I think overall the personality, the decision making, everything. I think I'm like I feel MBA was the one of the best decision what I did, 
and that's why I'm speaking to you today. <laughs> <laughs> very nice, very nice. I mean, I mean, yeah, your your positive experience is really flowing out really well from there, you know. But on on the flip side, do you have any regrets or do you have any you know pointers that you wish you could have done better at that point of time? <laughs> um. Only one thing which I feel, but I'm not very sure about it yet. I feel like maybe uh, rather than uh, doing a graduation, if I was very sure, uh, you know, earlier that I wanted to pursue MBA, then I would have done, uh, a, you know, the bachelor's in master's, a bachelor's in management itself. Mm, right. And that's the only thing. Yeah. So I think, uh, but the, for that, even the schools have to play a role, you know, because you really don't know. I mean. MBA or be it any option only once you have uh, in India once you have cleared uh, mm. 10 plus 2 12th 12th uh, that's the time when you really start thinking or even after graduation so I think that has to start the orientation needs to start before and when um, that openness you know of uh, looking at unconventional uh, unconventional career options <laughs> Yeah, exactly, and and that's what I'm really interesting uh, interested to you know see your second part of the series where you try and invite more institutions, um, because I think institutions sometimes are very much buried in traditional practices that they are not necessarily moving on with what practical learnings people are able to take out of you know the education that they are trying to impart as well. So you're you're absolutely spot on over there that. Um, you know, institutions can can obviously do a lot, and they can obviously bring in perspective as well while while framing the classes or you know the syllabus. <laughs> Certainly. Nice, nice, amazing, amazing. So, Pooja, I think I think this has been um, this has been really good. I, I pretty much covered everything of what I was hoping to cover. Uh, th- there's one question I ask every guest, and I'm going to ask you the same. So, what is the one thing you wish I had asked you? Oh, uh, I mean, I share so well with all your questions that it's really <laughs> setting me thinking. Then what is something? Uh, uh, I think, uh, I mean, it, it did come up uh, in our conversation. Uh, but I think a direct, uh, I mean, I would want to uh, want to emphasize it or uh, drive home that particular point. I think be it any career, uh, so I'm coming to the answer. So I'll leave up to you to frame the question. Cool. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I, it's okay. I can retrospectively put a question. <laughs> so I think um, be it any uh, career, any career anyone wants to choose, one needs to be, uh, you know, give it 110%. And if I may uh, draw an example, uh, analogy, you know, uh, most of us, we use the Google map, right? So I think there is something called as a recenter in the Google map wherein you lose directions. It, it keeps on telling you like recenter, mm. recenter so that you reach your direction, right? So there is not always one particular way to reach. There are many ways, right? If you yeah. look at the Google map. Similarly in life, um, there are many ways. I mean, one needs to be aware about what really enjoy, what one really enjoys. Like for me, it was like connecting with people passionate about uh, helping them be the part of their success journey equipping them so i think once that end destination is there then there can be many ways where you want to go and one needs to always recenter in life and leverage on the strengths rather than get bogged down on the weaknesses 
nice i mean that that's really profound i think i think i'm definitely going to put that as a show title recent to your life <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean because we have become so savvy and like we're using google map but i think um, because even google doesn't give up right yeah recenter so if an um, automated app can't give up so i think we are human beings so we shouldn't give up so easily and we should work on our strengths leverage those yeah. like i realized that i was bad in numbers so i gave up an idea of pursuing medicine because i knew that i would be never be able to because maths was something which is important right mm. there so yeah one needs to recenter so i leave up to you to frame the question <laughs> no i mean i mean I, i don't think i can ever have a question for that but this is a really good point you know that you always need to keep um focusing and centering yourself um because situations change and perspectives also shift but it's very important to be conscious of where you are uh, and 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 then yeah i, I don't know I, i'm out of words i don't have questions <laughs> <laughs> amazing amazing so so what about what about you know wh- where do you see yourself going in your future in your career so we spoke about the podcast that means you have some kind of a you know direction for the podcast how about you know your your career are you are you seeing your career and the podcast kind of merging together at some point of time so this uh, podcast thing would continue um this leadership demystified will continue mm-hmm. uh we'll keep on unraveling uh, the various unearth the various aspects of leadership with respect to my career um, i see it a blend of an od consultant what i am mm. and as well as the coach uh, so slowly i want to get into like 40% of consultancy and 60% of the coaching and i want to inspire help the millennial the young leaders unleash nice. their uh, potential nice amazing amazing i think i think that's that's a really good way to put this awesome pooja this has been amazing thanks a lot for your time really appreciate it. it's it's 1 am where you are right now so really appreciate you staying up that late to talk to us thank you so much avinash for having me and i'm really i enjoyed this um, show and i must uh, congratulate on your interview what you're carrying up for helping so many mbs students out there their experience So I really admire and appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks a lot and really good luck to your podcast. <laughs> Thank you and best wishes to you as well. <laughs> Take care. Awesome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the MBA Jam. Now it's time for you to take action. Head over to the mbajam.com to listen to more episodes and discover great resources.